Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another podcast from the Pastor Study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life from a retired pastor of 45 years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It's my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over my years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further personal Bible study. They'll be short, 20 to 30 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email. My address is Masito, M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M for Fellow Helpers Ministries, at gmail.com. Masito, M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M, at gmail.com. The title of our Bible study today is Being a Good Soldier, Lessons I Learned While Serving in the Army, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1-4. We'll examine and illustrate three somewhat familiar passages regarding what it means to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. To begin, let's take our Bibles and read from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. I began a message on uh, being a good soldier a while back and had a different lesson from it. Uh, this one is in regard to a lesson I prepared for a church. A pastor came over to our home and he met me and we got to talking and I got to sharing some of my experiences in the army. And he said, Pastor Macedo, you need to preach a message and illustrate it with some of these things. And so I prepared that and spoke at his church and uh, it went over well. And so as a result, I'm going to go ahead and share that similar lesson today. So first of all, the definition of being a good soldier is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. Again, we've looked at that before, so we'll just briefly allude to it now. Here's what we read. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we are so delighted to be in your word once again. We know that all over the world, every single day, your word is being proclaimed. Men and women are teaching it and just giving the opportunity for others to learn from it and grow closer to thee. So, Father, we pray that as we do this lesson today, that it might have that effect on us and that you might stir our hearts with what we learn to give us opportunity to share it with others too. And, Father, most importantly, we pray that if there be anyone listening that has not yet made a personal decision to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, today they might make that decision and become a soldier of his army. So, Father, we commit these few minutes to thee, praying that thy Holy Spirit would work in us according to the pleasure of your good will. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and primarily verse 3 and 4, is giving us the definition of a good soldier. I'm going to just briefly outline that for you. You'll notice in verse 3, it talks about endures hardness. And what that means is suffering something painful or difficult, 
patiently, suffering something painful or difficult patiently. In other words, a good soldier doesn't quit when the going gets tough. In the first part of verse 4, we learn something else about a good soldier. Entangleth. Thou therefore endurest hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. The word entangleth means a complicated or compromising relationship or situation. In other words, a good soldier keeps focused on his mission. And the third thing we see comes from the word please. That's at the end of verse 4 that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. The idea of please is to take one's wishes into consideration in deciding how to act or proceed. So a good soldier considers his commander-in-chief's wishes above his own. So there's just a general introduction in regard to what a good soldier is. He endures hardness. He doesn't quit when the going gets tough. He does not get entangled with the things of the world. He keeps focused on the mission, and he pleases the one who has chosen him. He considers the commander-in-chief's wishes above his own. Now, in regard to that, I want to take three somewhat familiar passages and read them and share them with you, and then also illustrate them from some experiences that I had when I served in the army. And the first passage we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says this, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The word submitting means draw up in order of battle, not to battle. The word submitting means draw up in order of battle, not to battle. And what we learn in this verse is a good soldier understands and accepts the chain of command and responds positively to its demands. A good soldier understands and accepts the chain of command, submitting yourselves one to another, and responds positively to its demands. Now, I mentioned to you that we're going to examine these passages and give you an illustration that fits with them. And the first illustration I would like to use is one that I learned when I was a drill instructor out in Fort Lewis, Washington. I was there for three months and uh, trained a group of troops that in basic training, and we had a first sergeant that was over us at that time. And the first sergeant was over the five platoons, and I was a platoon sergeant, and uh, he did not really uh, like me, per se not because of my personality or anything, but he was a little bothered because I went through non-commissioned officer school. And at that time, if you went through school and completed it and you were in the top 5%, you got the rank of staff sergeant. So here I was, 20 years old, and I was a staff sergeant in the United States Army. He was much older and he was only a first sergeant and it took him years to get to that level. So as a result, he just did not feel comfortable with what were called shake and bakes back then. Uh, guys who went to school and got quick rank, which I was one of them. So we were out in maneuvers one day, and remember, he's the first sergeant, so he's over me. And as we were out in maneuvers, they were rough. Uh, we were out in Fort Lewis, Washington during January, February, March, very cold, very rainy. And when we did maneuvers and stayed out in the field for a few days, we were miserable. And this was one of those maneuvers we did, which we were pretty miserable, and waiting for the snap trucks to come and pick us up and take us back to our barracks so we could get cleaned up and get some rest. And before we left that site, 
The first sergeant came up and called us platoon sergeants together and said, I want you to take your troops and walk around this area and pick up all the twigs and all the tree branches and stack them teepee style against the trees. Now we're exhausted. Our men are exhausted. It's raining. It's cold. That's the last thing we want to be doing. But he was the first sergeant, chain of command. We were the platoon sergeants, chain of command, and we had to give the order to our troops, and we did it. And we were all disgruntled by doing it. Now, a week or so later, we went back out to that same area for more maneuvers. And one of the keys, as you can imagine, in that rain and cold was to have a fire. And when we went out in that area, we realized that stacking the twigs and the branches up against the trees allowed the wind to blow through them and dry them off. So we had dry wood in order to build a fire and stay somewhat comfortable during our maneuvers. When I saw that and I realized what the purpose of it was, I asked the first sergeant, and I said, Sergeant, why didn't you just tell us why? It would have been so much easier to do it. And he looked at me and he said, I did not tell you why, because I don't have to tell you why. I am the first sergeant, and you are the staff sergeant. In other words, he was emphasizing what? The chain of command. And he said, when you get in battle, he said, you will not have opportunity to explain all your decisions. You will just need to follow the chain of command and work together as a team. That is ever so important, isn't it? And in our passage of scripture that I just referred to, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it's beautifully outlined for us with this term, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, that's not an isolated verse, because as you read through Ephesians chapter 6, you read through some familiar verses that I'm sure you've heard preached before. Number one is in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You'll notice in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You'll notice chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Chapter 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Isn't that interesting? God says in verse 21, the military term, draw up folks in order of battle. Not in order to battle, but recognize there's a chain of command. Draw up in order of battle and wife submit, and husbands love, children obey, servants be obedient, and watch how you're able to then function as a team and how you're able to withstand and be, defeat the enemy. That's so precious, isn't it? And that brings us to a summary of this first lesson, and I think the first lesson would be this. A good soldier understands and accepts the chain of command and responds positively to its demands. A good soldier understands and accepts the chain of command and responds positively to its commands. The Lord has given us a chain of command, and we so we need to properly, uh, so that we can properly deal with the battles of life and come out victorious. And we need to follow His chain of command, submitting yourselves, Ephesians five twenty one, one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now, there's a second lesson I would like for us to see, and it's also in Ephesians, and it's in the sixth chapter. And it begins in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 18. 
It says this, Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle, verse 12, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then we see the loins girded in verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness in verse 14. We see the shield of faith uh, talked about in verse uh, verse some 16, uh, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, verse 15, the helmet of salvation, verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, verse 17, and then verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, a soldier understands that they have armor, you see that word there where it says, take on to you the whole armor of God? The word armor means a metal covering worn by soldiers to protect. God has given us an armor. He has given us a covering that will protect us against the attacks of the enemy and protect us when we need to attack the enemy. And that's very important. When I was in the military, I was actually back in non-commissioned officer school again, and we were learning the tools that we would have at our aid when we got to Vietnam. They were showing us the different weapons and they were showing us the different air support that we would have. And one of the things they brought to the firing range that day was a Cobra gunship. Now the Cobra gunship was designed and developed during the Vietnam days. In fact, I learned in researching this that the Cobra gunships actually were produced here and then they were put on aircraft carriers and assembled on their way to Vietnam because they were such an important part of giving the soldiers an advantage in that war. The Cobra gunship is only three feet wide, one pilot sits behind the other pilot, and it is loaded with armament. It's got a minigun in the front that fires one round of ammunition for every square foot of a football field in one pass. Can you imagine that? It sounds like this. Bzzz. And then, so you know, every foot of a football field has a round of ammunition in it. It had a 40 millimeter grenade launcher, and it would throw the grenades out like this. Thump, 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 thump. It had 16 rocket pods, and it had other weaponry also. And it was an amazing attack helicopter because when it zeroed in on the enemy and attacked the enemy, the target was so narrow, it was very hard for them to hit it. Well, they explained all that to us as we're sitting in the bleachers at the firing range, and we were pretty excited to see this thing in action. And the next thing you know, here it comes straight at us. And I mean, it was awesome. You could see the armament on it. You could see how narrow it was, and it came straight toward us. And then it made a circular pass and came across the firing range to, to fire the weapons and show us the power it had. And here's what we heard. Click and it flew away. The minigun jammed. It didn't fire one round. The man came over the speaker and he said, excuse us, we must be having a malfunction. We're gonna try that again. Went out, made another circle with this attack helicopter with all of its armament, with all of its ammunition, and it made another pass and we heard again, click, and it jammed again. And we looked at that and we thought, okay, this is our help when we get into war. 
<laughs> this is not going to work very well if we're out there and this happens. And we learned something that day, and that is this. It is important for us to keep our equipment properly maintained and ready to use at all times. In fact, that's the lesson I want to bring out here as the second one for us today. A good soldier understands the importance of keeping his equipment properly maintained and ready to be used at all times. And you know, the Lord has given us all the armor needed to protect us from the spiritual attacks that we face today. The question mark is, are we keeping it properly maintained? And are we keeping it ready at all times? We need to in order to stand and having all to stand. So the first lesson we learn about being a good soldier is, a good soldier understands and accepts the chain of command and responds positively to its demands. Spiritual application, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, drawing up in order of battle, not to battle, and we have the wives submitting, we have the husbands loving, we have the children obeying, we have the servants obeying. Now, the second lesson then that we just looked at, a good soldier, Ephesians 6, understands the importance of keeping his equipment properly maintained and ready to use at all times. You got the armament, make sure you got it on, make sure you got it ready, and use it as the Lord wants you to use it. Now, the third thing we're going to look at is this. It's in Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to go back one book in our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at two verses, verses 14 and 15. Galatians 5, verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Three words that we want to define to get an understanding of these verses. The first word is bite, and it means this, using teeth to cut into something. The second word is devour, and it means this, consume something or someone destructively. And the word consumed means this, absorb all the attention and energy of someone. Verse 15, but if he bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. And he's writing this in Galatians to Christians. Now, when I was in the Vietnam, I think you know, some of you, if you've heard my testimony in the past, I started out as a training NCO with the 173rd Airborne on LZ English in Bong Song, Northern Tu Corps, Vietnam. And uh, after six months of serving as the training NCO, I volunteered for the Rangers. And I went up on Ranger Hill, and I just want to give you a real good illustration that I think fits these verses beautifully. And that is, up on Ranger Hill, we had a setup where we would go out to the field as a Ranger team, four or five guys. We would go out to the field for four days. We'd be inserted one, spend two days in our operation, and be extracted on our fourth. <clears throat> inserted and extracted by helicopter. And, uh, and the di days that we weren't out doing our mission, we were back in the rear. Um, that would be back at LZ English again, up on Ranger Hill. And we would be doing our preparation for the next mission. Uh, we would do a flyover. We would look at the maps. We would get our armament ready and our equipment ready and things of that nature. 
So when we were out in the field, we were a team uh, there to withstand the enemy, to find out what they were doing, to bring that information back so a battle plan could be formed. And when we were in the rear, we were just waiting for our next mission to go out, preparing for it. Well, in the rear one night, I was in my hooch laying on a cot. And uh, one of the men, I won't use his name. I'm, I'm going to try to avoid that. I hope I don't let it slip. But one of the men that was on my team came in and he had been drinking. He was very wasted. And he came in and he fell down on the cot and he just about passed out and he was a mess. And around the time that he came in, just shortly thereafter, another fellow came bursting through the door from another ranger team. And the other fellow from the other team, he had also been drinking and he came in and he was very angry with this man on my team. And he started cursing him out, calling him names. And before I know it, both of these men went out behind the hooch and were literally beating the tar out of each other. I'm laying on my cot in the rear in supposedly a friendly area. And I'm listening to this man from my team and this man from the other team smacking and hitting and cussing and cursing each other out. Finally, the man from my team comes wobbling in, crashes back down on his cot, He'd been beat up pretty bad, and the other guy went to his own hooch. And I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. We are rangers. We are here fighting a war. We're not here to fight each other. Well, shortly after that, we were on a mission, my team, Lima team, and when we were out in the field, we got in contact with the enemy. And when a ranger team got in contact with the enemy, they would often call out on Ranger Hill to the guys that were in the rear that day and say, Lima team's in contact. If you want to help, get the helicopter pad. And so here we are out in the field. We had contact. We needed help. And all of a sudden, this helicopter comes out of nowhere, and it's got four or five men on it that have come to help us in a time of need. The first guy off that helicopter was the guy that had been fighting the fella on my team. The fella on my team that he had just been fighting a couple few days earlier, he was now coming out to help. It gets better than that. The next day we had no more contact and as a result, that's when I was booby trapped. And when I was booby trapped, uh, three of us got hit that day, so we got taken out. Rucksacks were left, weapons were left, we were medevaced out. And uh, this fellow who was on my team told me a few years ago, after 40-some years, he contacted me, we met together, and he reminisced about that time. And I told him, I said, I never could understand why you and the other fellow fought so hard together, and then when you were in need, that guy comes off the helicopter to help. He said, oh, Marty, it gets better than that. He said, when you guys left, the rest of us got on another helicopter and we started to take off and it redlined. The helicopter couldn't lift, it was too heavy. So I jump off the helicopter, I grab your rucksacks off the helicopter, and I tell the guy that I was fighting on the other team who came out that day to help us, come with me. And he jumps off the helicopter and he and I sat back to back for an hour, locked and loaded, waiting for another helicopter to come and extract us. I said to him, you're telling me that the two of you who are beating the tarp out of each other in the rear 
were then sitting back to back waiting for the enemy to attack before you could get withdrawn out of there? That's phenomenal. And it is phenomenal because the lesson to be learned from that spiritually is this. A good soldier understands and identifies the real enemy and fights with others instead of against others in withstanding the enemy. You fight with them as a team against the enemy. You don't stand against each other as you're fighting the enemy. Isn't that what Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter 5? He says to the church, to the believers in Christ, verse 14, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he says this in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. Do you know how many churches got involved in biting and devouring one another and were consumed and aren't even in existence today? Do you know how many churches got involved in situations like that and people just walked away because they didn't want to witness what was going on? It's heartbreaking because God is saying, if we're a good soldier, a good soldier will understand and identify the real enemy and will join together in fighting together the real enemy and not fight each other as the enemy. The Lord has given us instruction to properly identify the enemy of our souls. Yet we often forget and treat each other like the enemies. Well, folks, that's, that's three lessons I learned about being a good soldier. Our introduction again from 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4, primarily verse 3 and 4, endures hardness. A good soldier doesn't quit when the going gets tough. Entangle, he doesn't uh, lose focus of his mission. Uh, pleases, the one who wishes to, um, that he, excuse me, uh, he pleases, that is, takes one wishes and consideration, deciding how to attack. He considers his commander in chief and above all, above his own wishes and seeks to fulfill them. And a good soldier, Ephesians 5.21, understands and accepts the chain of command and responds positively to his demands. And a good soldier, Ephesians 6.11-18, understands the importance of keeping his equipment properly maintained and ready to use at all times. And then Galatians 5, verses 14 and 15, a good soldier understands and identifies the real enemy and fights with his team against the enemy not against each other. So there you have it. I mentioned in my introduction that I was going to share some lessons from my military background as well as my ministry background in regard to teaching the Word of God. And I sure have enjoyed preparing this lesson and certainly have enjoyed sharing it with you today. This has been from the Pastor Study with Pastor Marty Macedo. You may email me at macedofhm at gmail.com M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M for Fellow Helpers Ministries at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post another Bible study next week. But remember, a good soldier prepares every day for whatever danger may come his way. We, as Christian soldiers, must do the same in order to please him who hath chosen us. Thank you for listening and have a great day.